HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month with an episode about memory. I've always read and sort of approached cookbooks for more than the recipes. To me, they are full of narrative content and narrative value. So Malama Aina basically means to take care of the land. For us as Hawaiians, it's taking care of our older sibling. But I do remember like definitely feeling like self-conscious about it, like being the only one who kind of wasn't eating a sandwich and like didn't have a bag of goldfish or Lunchables. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lisa Held, and you're listening to The Farm Report, a Heritage Radio Network show about the people, processes, and policies that shape how food is produced today. Today's guest is Tyran Lewis, the founder, farmer, and CEO behind Heru Urban Farming in St. Louis, Missouri. Tyran is on a mission to grow healthy, sustainable food for food apartheid communities in St. Louis, and we're going to be talking about why he chose that path and how he's making it happen on the ground. Tyran, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to, happy to have you here. So I read that you are a fifth-generation farmer. Um, let's start with that. Tell me a little bit about your family's farm history. Oh, wow. So the cool thing about it is uh, when I first started farming, I went to a family union in 2018. Um, I knew my family was farmers, you know, uh, of course, sharecroppers and before then farmers, but I didn't know to what extent. So when I went to my family union down in Paris, Texas, um, and they had news articles and everything, I found out that my great uncle, a minor Washington, he was a part of an all black co-op back in 1939. Um, And um, that's back in Lamar County in Paris, Texas. And they purchased over, I think it was 24 acres. And and all they grew was tomatoes. And, you know, and that's what they did. So that was cool. And then from 1950 to 52, my great uncle, Minor Washington, his son, Ernest Washington, they they was winning first and second place in everything at at the State Fair. They was winning stuff in a popcorn, a purple hub piece, 
crowder peas, a lot of other peas and beans. And <laughs> I think they really love growing peas and beans because, you know, in the article right. it just shows that, you know, and uh, and, and watermelon is, as well. And watermelon oh, is my nice. favorite crop. So that's cool. <clears throat> That's amazing. So, but you didn't grow up on a farm, right? Oh, no, I grew up in St. Louis right here. Okay. <laughs> so, so then how did you get back into it? What made you want to start farming? Wow, man. So, you know, I was always in, you know, my great grandma, she had stuff in our backyard and stuff like that. So I always was kind of consciously aware of it. I, I, I grew food like in buckets and things of that nature. But um, when I really got into my craft, uh, it was an unusual um, journey because I started off being a PE teacher and a health teacher. I actually taught in the St. Louis Public School District uh, for six years and probably uh, a accumulation of at least 12 years just teaching experience. We're going to put together the substitute teaching and everything. Um, then after that, uh, I, I got my master's in management, and I was actually the uh, the GM at this uh, local car wash called um, Blue Iguana. Now they got like six or seven of them now in St. Louis, but I was the first one at the first one that built. also was assistant GM at Five Guys on Lindell. You no, know, a lot of stuff I came across, they said I was either overqualified, not enough experience. You know, when you're getting your master's at, at age 30, you know, everybody right. wanted me to do interns and stuff. So then I got the I got the farming because I used to be vegan at one point in time. Um, so um, this was back in like 2017. Uh, I, I was basically um, looking for some fresh produce. I usually go to the farmer's markets and things of that nature. But I wanted mm-hmm. to go to my, my local grocery store in my community, uh, which I was fortunate enough to have one close to me. Uh, so okay. I went to the one um, that was on Natural Bridge in Union, went in there. I wasn't really um, happy with what I saw. So I said, okay, let me go to Lindo. So I went there, same chain, went in there. It was better. Uh, quite not what I expected, but it was better. Way better than where I was okay. at. So I went to the one on Clayton. So I said, you know, I turned to a field trip. Went to one in Clayton. I was like, wow. Man, they had abundance of fresh produce everywhere. You know, you could, you could huh. go in there blindfold and just stick your hands out and pick up something, and you'll find <laughs> something, you know? Right. Uh, it's no really no no brain surgery for that. So then I took one more step. I went to West County. Now and I went to West County in, in this in this structure. First of all, the structure of the grocery store was totally designed different. That's number one. I didn't know okay. I was walking into that chain. Then I walked in. I seen people cooking sushi. You got a winery and all this stuff that that same grocery store didn't have in my neighborhood. So I told mm-hmm. myself, you know what, I want to do something about it, and I did. And that's basically how I got into it. Uh, you know, I started growing food for myself. Um, you know, um, I got a garden lease on LRA property in the city of St. Louis, which you could rent land for five dollars for five years, as long as you grow food on it. Wow! So I did that, and I was growing for my family. Then, so the community started talking to me. Then I did now this this 2018 now. Okay. The community started talking to me, asking me questions. Now, mind you, I've been over there since 2015. Over here, rather since 2015, no one said anything to me. You know. So, uh, so then people start talking to me. So I'm like, okay, people talking to me, intrigued. So I thought, so I told myself, you know what? This is like a, a, a supply and demand thing. The, the demand mm. is here. You need a supply. So why can't I be that person? So that's right. what I started with. Uh, so in 2018, I started with 10,000 square feet. Now I have a, a accumulation of four acres amongst three properties. Um, huh. So yeah, that's basically how I started. The need was there. I saw my people needed, and we do live in a food desert. Uh, you know, and I call it food apartheid because I think it's de- I think it's deliberately done. You know, they Absolutely. literally put all these gas stations on every corner, Dollar Generals, Family Dollars, stuff with low value to bring the property value down. You go to gas station, you might get lucky to find a banana or orange at the cash register, but it's a lot of processed food, things you got things you got to put in the microwave, frozen mm-hmm. stuff, and that's what we eating. I mean, that's you know, in the city of St. Louis, including where I stay, uh, over seven hundred thousand. 
um, people don't have a um, sustainable, healthy produce within a half mile of their neighborhood. You know, huh. our food here comes from over 12,000 miles away. You know, 85 percent of the, of, the, of the food grown in Missouri is used for animal feeding and food processing. So mm-hmm. less than one percent is used for us to eat. And that's and right. that's sad, you know. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it, it makes it really clear that the the term food apartheid is is um, so um, important versus food desert in the way you explained the fact that there is a grocery store in like in your neighborhood that you went to and there's food there, but it was bad food compared yeah. to good food. Right. Yeah. Like there, that's, that's kind of crazy that like there is an intentional difference between the food that is being sold at, was it the same chain? Same, same? chain, same yeah. chain. I'm, I, I've been saying a name. I ain't going to say it, <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. but, uh, but, uh, but same chain. It's funny because, I'm just one of the lucky ones to have one close to me. But it's, man, it's a, a right. plethora of people in the North City, West Side, don't have none. And even there, mm-hmm. and matter of fact, the same chain was pulling grocery stores from them, those neighborhoods. So, you know, you got to look at it like that, too. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So you started growing food. Um, how, I mean, you're growing on four acres now, three different plots. That's pretty serious. How did you like acquire the skills you needed? How did you learn um, to do wow. what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. So believe it or not, when I first started, it was all natural. You know, uh, I was just doing stuff. Man. I was calling my family members. They were, they were giving me tips. And a lot of farmers I talked to, they called me a natural. They were like, man, like everything you touch hmm. just grow. And I just think that just that's just my ancestors, you know, it's in my bloodline. And I really believe that, you know, and also uh, my whole energy from them, too. Um, to help me out when I need when I need help, you know. So I, I have to have a spiritual aspect to it as well. But of course, I took classes along the way. You got to tighten mm-hmm. up your skills. So I took permaculture classes. Uh, I took uh, uh, herbalism classes, uh, things of that nature. So I am honing my skills at the same time. But a lot of stuff come trial and error, and just I just naturally know it. And like I say, I, I bring in the energy of my ancestors. So we do something in my community where we pour libations. So when you pour mm-hmm. libations. Um, that's like uh, paying homage to your ancestors, and when you pour some water or whatever into something that's growing, like the dirt, the soil, or or some plants, then you just call their name and you channel them in. You know, mm. uh, in the hood, they might call it pouring out some liquor for your homies. You know, for your dead, <laughs> for your dead uh, people that passed. Same thing. It's just same energy, just different concept, right? So, the yeah. spiritual practice. There you of. go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. So so tell me about um what you grow. Oh man, so I grow a lot of uh, uh, vegetables and fruit. Uh, I grow things from, um, of course, your traditional tomatoes, cucumbers, you know, uh, uh, peppers, things of that nature, onions, garlic. Uh, but I also grow cantaloupe. Watermelon is my favorite crop. That's my cash crop right there. I love watermelon. Um, also, um, I grow. Um, I grow a lot of Asian greens. So I like throwing stuff different to introduce to my community. So I grow things like tatsoi, bok choy, mm. uh, stuff I can't pronounce, like chamachi, I think that's what you say. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, what else? Even as small as zucchini. I didn't grow up eating zucchini, you know, eggplants. Mm. So even that type of stuff, too. I also got like like seven different varieties of lettuces, like Little Jim, uh, Butter Crunch, Yudokul, uh, uh, and different things like that. They all got different tastes, different flavors. And uh uh, one thing I, I like doing, I, um, you know, it's always a, a, a misconception that vegetables are nasty or something like that. But this is mm-hmm. about, first of all, who's growing it, is it organic or not, and then how to prepare it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I really think, you know, just introducing new stuff and just, and you got to know how to cook it. You know, 
And right. somebody show you how to cook it, you know, and that that make it better too. But you know, and, and it's, it's always a misconception saying that black people not not farmers. I mean, we were sharecroppers even before sharecroppers. We was farmers. So I just like me being a black male that people could see me and see me growing food and know that you know that is something that we do. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Are there other urban farms in St. Louis? Like, is there a community of people? Or are you pretty much out there doing what you do on your own? Oh, yeah. You know, I, got, I pay homage to the people that came before me. So uh, it, it's definitely uh, other uh, urban farmers in the community. You got Ujima. You got Evolve. That's a nonprofit community. You got uh, you got uh, Hosco Foods. You got uh, Bowling Family Farms. Um, and a lot of people that I know their names, but not not their form names, but like Tia. You got the East Side. Uh, you know, we got people over there. Um, yeah, so it's people here, you know, just uh, getting the attention. And I think COVID, if it didn't do anything, it did shine light on um, the food system and things of that nature. And people are really paying attention to local urban farmers. So um, I think uh, a, a little blessing came out of that, you know, uh, you know, people paying attention and people more being more consciously aware of uh, of the discrepancies between um, food and between the, and communities. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this ad. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right, we're back. This is Lisa Held. You're listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. I'm talking to Tyran Lewis from Heru Urban Farming in St. Louis. So... We talked about the food that you grow, all the different vegetables and watermelon. And um, where does it all end up? Like, who is eating it? Oh, wow. So uh, so I'm, I get my product out um, in a variety of ways. Um, the, one thing I, the one thing I do is CSAs. So that stands mm-hmm. for Community Supported Agriculture. So basically it's a food subscription. Um, I just started doing that last year. I mean, the pandemic came. I wasn't even doing CSAs. That was actually something I was trying to avoid, to be honest with you. And then mm-hmm. um, the opportunity came, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of people was in their houses and doing stuff like that. So I did. I had CSA started last year. Went well. Kind of overwhelmed. I mean, I had 20 deliveries. This year only got four deliveries. Mostly everybody pick up. But I had to do that because a lot of people didn't want to leave their house. Mm-hmm. But that happened. So, But the cool thing about my, well, the food description, basically what it is, is 
Uh, a lot of farmers liked it because it's upfront money. People, yeah. uh, people pay that upfront, you know, and get get into the season, get get us started, and then you know, uh, mine, I, mine is twelve weeks. So every Friday you get accumulation of everything that I harvest. It'd be in like in, a, in like a mesh bag, like a grocery store mesh bag that you get, and mm-hmm. I, I pack that on up, and I, and I do it like that. But the cool thing about mine is every five CSAs I sell, I donate to a family in need. So mm-hmm. uh, so um, so yeah, so uh, last year I had ten families. This year I got uh, I got fifteen families. Um, nice. Then I, then I'm feeding possibility maybe 20. I got to see what's going on first. But I know I got 15 for sure. I'm not going to start that till June. That's when most of my crops come. So I ain't want to start mm-hmm. that in May. So that be coming June. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but also, this is my first year at a farmer's market. And I'm actually at a farmer's market on the north side. The first of its kind um, is in Hyde Park on 2027 Salisbury. And um, I'll be there on Saturdays 10 to 2. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've been there for two weeks now. I didn't go last week. I had something to do. But uh, pretty much there every week, every Saturday. Uh, so yeah, so um, come on out, support. I think that's a good look for the North Side. Um, I also sell to local small businesses if I have something left over. You know, if I have some extra stuff, I sell to them. Um, I also got a, um, I sell some stuff to the North Sarah Food Hub as well. Uh, you know, and they fed over two hundred fifty thousand families last year during COVID. So uh, so yeah, I do that. Um, I do some. I, I don't want to say it on radio. I do some hand to hand, but not really. I don't want to be pulling up on the phone to buy buying stuff. But uh, you know, I do some. I sell. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna turn you away. We you know. Like, I get a lot of that. People see me outside. I just pull up. Like, hey, you got something like this? I'm like, yeah, I got you. So yeah. So come on. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I want to ask you about. You know, your your mission is about growing food in communities that don't have access to to a lot of good food, right? Mm-hmm. And um. But growing food the way you're doing it is more expensive than doing it commodity scale, right, out in the country where land is cheap and um, you're growing a ton of stuff at once. Um, so how do you balance, how do you make the economics work if it's more expensive to do what you do, but you're trying to keep prices down for the people that you're, you want to feed? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. It's like, you know, everything you say is balanced. You know, I had a, a unique opportunity uh, you know, I started off, all my capital came off of um, um, grants and accelerators. Mm. So when I first started, I was trying to, this is 2018, I was thinking, well, 17, that's when I was manifesting. But um, I was like, hmm, how can I get this going? And to be honest, well, I manifest everything. Like, when I mean manifestation, I meditated on it. Uh, I, I pictured how the wind's going to feel and the hair on my arm. I went down to that minute detail. And I just been blessed, man. The first accelerator I was involved with was the Balsa Foundation. That was cool for the, the the stage I was in at that moment because it was for startups and I was just coming off the porch, so to say. And um, it, it helped me out. Uh, got some money from them, you know. Also got a uh, that first grant was one thousand. Then I had a follow up grant uh, that I got five thousand from them. And then after that, I went to We Power. That was last year. That was a mm-hmm. cool accelerator. That was the first time um, accelerated for um, for entre- for um, Black and, Lat- and Latino entrepreneurs, and I was a part of that. Uh, well, I was a blessing. I was one of the 10 um, companies in that. And, uh, you know, I, they gave me grant money. They helped me out, you know, get my, you know, my stuff in order. And they came at mm-hmm. the right time, right? So then I was in this past accelerator. It was the UMSO DEI um, accelerator, where they gave me a $50,000 grant. And, wow. uh, you know, and uh, they helped me out as well. Then outside of those three accelerators, I had grants that I was just writing. My first mm-hmm. grant I wrote was Balsa. I was one for one. That gave me my confidence. Uh, you know, I was looking for writers and things of that nature. My my girlfriend at the time, she was like, uh, man, you got your master's degree. I think you I think you could be able to write a grant. And that's what I did. Mm. 
So right that's now, amazing. I think I'm like seven for ten, eight for eleven, something like that on grant writing. So that's cool. Um, wow. Um, yeah, I, I just been a, a, you know, a good opportunity for me. Uh, you know, and all those grants gave me the opportunity to, uh, like I say, get the equipment and stuff I need to work um, efficiently. Uh, I hired a, a worker uh, this past year with the fifty thousand dollars. I got me actually work I paid Slate. Uh, so I use my resources. Slate. Um, I'm a, I'm allotted ten workers through Slate, and they pay for them. So Slate is, stands for St. Louis. What is that? Okay. St. Louis Agency for Training and Unemployment. Yeah. Ah. So that's for ages seventeen to twenty seven. Uh, oh, wow. So I got two supervisors. I'm, I'm considered a supervisor and my worker that I pay out my pocket. So we get five workers per per us. So far we got one, two, three, four. We got five, four now. And we got some more that's coming because school is out. So that be helping me out with my working, my workers. I also utilize volunteers. Uh, you know, like I said, I got certain stuff that I do. So I do give out food too, but at the same time, my CSA customers is more for my suburb people, to be honest with you. Them, them, my, them my top customers on that. That's an upfront mm-hmm. chunk, right? So I use right. that to, to motivate that. Like I say, every five, I give a family in need, right? Right, subsidize the other Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then whatever I got left, then, then I also do, uh, we feed the unhoused every month uh, in different 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 micro pockets uh, of, mm-hmm. of uh, unhoused communities within communities, right? So we do that as well. Um, also, you know, I got, a, I got something I'm doing Wednesday for Berkeley Elementary School. I'm going in there and we can do a taste test. I did a Zoom with them a couple weeks ago. We're going to do a taste test so they can test, taste uh, all the different uh, varieties of lettuces, the Asian greens I have to get them mm. um, uh, acclimated to um, eating those type of things and getting, and getting their, their palate test, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, I do a lot of that type of stuff, too, just outreach stuff and stuff, things of that nature. I mean, you know, that just, I mean, people highlighting all that stuff. That's just something I like to do. I mean, you know, yeah. I was always involved in those type of outreach programs when I was a kid. And I'm asking some mentors to help me out. So I figured that uh, I'm just paying my dues, you know. And and the the slate program you you mentioned, that that's pretty interesting. So um are those um local young people that you're then are you you're training them on with like farm skills? Yeah, for um, sure. Right? For sure. Train them, okay. mentoring them. Most of them workers are handpicked. I mean, I send them to them like, hey, you wanna work for me? Go down there and talk to them. So I, I can really send them that way. One of the kids that work for me, he's he's actually a resident at the Covenant House. Uh, he actually worked with me last year too, um, so that's cool, you know. Uh, but he was just what's you know, the Covenant House for people uh, who aren't in. I'm Taylor? sorry, uh, Covenant House is a homeless shelter for young adults, ages Got 15 it. to 22. Actually, I actually used to work there. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I worked <laughs> there when I was teaching. So I was doing, I was working there overnight oh, wow. and teaching and coaching. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm tired with them. Yeah, um, one of my little cousin, and then the rest of the people. I got one that was volunteering through uh, Missouri Botanical Garden. She was helping me, and then she saw what I was doing. She was like, "Oh, can I work for you too?" And I'm like, "Yeah, come on." So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know, so that helped out a lot to get those workers, especially to stay paying for them. And I'm not, so that's really dope. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, I just try to use it's just resources and networking to be for real. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I, just, I, I think I got favor from from the universe and my ancestors. To be honest with you, yep, yeah. Do you, those young people that um, are working with you that you're training, do you see them continuing in, in agriculture? Like, are any of them really interested in in what you do? And, and could you see them carry, you know, carrying on with it for their in their futures? Oh, that's a good question. Well, uh, my, my, well, my little cousin, 
Yeah, uh, it's like his first job, so he already got little side hustles, man. He got he got the he got the elderly uh, some of his neighbors where his grandma house already asking him to come and can you do my garden too? You do my oh, things nice. too? Yes, yeah, so he was like, oh man, I got jobs, man. Can I wear your shirt? Y'all, y'all have your like I'm maybe some side buddy. So he got a little <laughs> hustle going on already. So um, yeah. then uh, you know uh, there's one uh, now I might say continue with the with the foreman thing. That's just that's another young lady. I think um, she want to like do stuff at her house, but. I like just the growth. So, right. um, so, so the kid that's at Covenant House, me, I've been talking, I've been seeing them improve. We, we can have deep conversations and we just, just talk about like, you know, guy stuff, you know, of life mm-hmm. stuff. Man, I take that out of anything, you know, and then form is therapeutic anyway. So we all having this, I guess they talking to the therapist and they being a therapist for me too. So it's all good. You know, uh, right. I really think, you know, that just bring that type of conversation up, you know, when you bring your hand through the soil and you relax and all that, so uh, I just like the the uh, uh, the rapport that I'm building with them. Really, you know, mm-hmm. relationships we building, and and just knowing that um, you know you got somebody that you can talk to. So you know, even they want to be formers or not, uh, of course uh, they they can they can just grow a little bit for themselves. That's cool too. But I just like I just like I just want to see their growth. To be honest with you, right, right. Yeah. So so what does growth look like for Haru Urban Farming? Like, what's your long term goal? Oh man, so my long term goal is to have my own homestead. You know, mm. uh, what I mean by homestead is I want me a house uh, on, on, on my farm on my property. If I get about fifty acres, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, I, I grow my, you know, I still grow my do my thing with my watermelon, my veggies, and my fruit. But I also, uh, I have some livestock. I have some goat, mm. uh, some chickens, some sheep. I don't know if I do cow, but I know I do those three. Uh, bees, of course. I got some bees now, actually. Um, um, some bees. Uh, ha- come out, come out, like have a, like a resort, like a um, not a resort, but like a uh, yeah, I guess a resort or, or a retreat. That's what I'm looking for, mm. a retreat type of feel, you know. So you come out there, you get your spiritual yoga going on. You get your massage, you get your reiki, you know. Then you get the pick from my um, from my nursery where, where I got all my fruit trees and stuff, and that type of feel. Uh man, if I can get a pine on there and stock it up, then I have the fishing events with the kids coming out, have it to a whole little field day type of relaxation type of um type of thing. Uh that that'd be ideal for me. And then no, that's where I tap out at. And and hopefully in this term called food apartheid, uh at least here in this region and keep it and you know, and keep it going. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, you know, I'm, I was actually surprised by that answer because you're so focused on urban farming. And but eventually you, you want to get out and, and have a bigger space. And um, mm-hmm. how would you maintain that? Do you think you could maintain that connection to like the urban communities you're serving? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Say, I'm, I'm so St. Louis. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. good. <laughs> I'm good. I mean, I still come back. I mean, I'm just because I need the space just to grow the food. You right. know, uh, I I still bring it in and do what I do still. Oh, yeah, that's all there. Yeah. I don't want to go too far out. Uh, you know, I'll go wherever the universe put me, but, you know, uh, I don't go too far out. Hopefully, roughly with less than 100 miles out, uh, that'd be cool. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Tyran, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and talking about Haru Urban Farming. Um, if people want to find you, um, where should they go online? Oh uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm Heyru Urban Farming on all uh, social media outlets. That's Facebook and Instagram, and my email, which is Gmail, uh, and my website. Everything is Heyru Urban Farming. H E R U U R B A N F F A R M I N G. That's Heyru Urban Farming. 
Um, yeah, all that. If you want to donate to my organization, um, that's also at Harry Urban Farming on Venmo and Cash App um, and PayPal. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Gratitude. Thank you all so much for listening to the Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and share it. Until next time, this is Lisa Held. The Farm Report is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.